0: back to the Comeback Podcast. As usual, I am your host, Connor, and today my guest is Luke Staten. Initially from the United Kingdom, Nottingham, he is a motivational speaker and coach dedicated to inspiring people to achieve greatness. He would like to be remembered as someone who made a difference. I'm excited at delving into this self-development space. I often find that in the UK, it's not as accessible or as Accepted as it is in perhaps America. So to have somebody from the UK who is well immersed is going to be an honor and I'm looking forward to this chat. Luke, welcome. How are you?
1: Honor. Thank you so much for reaching out and thank you for the opportunity to meet you and speak with you. I think you're such an interesting guy. When I spoke to you just prior to the podcast, hearing how you've ended up moving to Vietnam because often people aren't prepared to step out of their comfort zone try something new because change can be challenging yet you've been brave enough to do it at such a young age so it's something I really
0: do admire in yourself Connor. and thank you for bringing me onto the program I appreciate it. Yeah I'm looking forward to it man and that is true what you mentioned about the comfort zone I was I was held back for a while to be completely honest it wasn't like I was going in with you know <laughs> taking the bull by the horns and going I'm coming to Asia I tiptoed my way in however upon arriving I thought wow this is a completely different world that I wouldn't experience in my I suppose standard life in the UK. There's nothing wrong with the UK, I'm not criticizing it, but moving abroad is definitely something that I'm delighted I did. It's probably my best ever decision. You you can't Yeah. Yeah, you can't learn the things in the UK that you can't hear, to be honest. The the amount of nationalities I meet, I mix with French, Egyptian, Hungarian, Italian, Spanish, South African, Australian on a daily basis. So to get all of these influences and cultures, it's just it leaves an impression. And especially with the work I do, it's great to meet so many different people, interview them and get their thoughts on the world. Yeah, and then share it with everybody else. Yeah, precisely. But in terms of your own background, Luke, uh, we chatted briefly off air. You are from Nottinghamshire, is that correct? Yeah, I'm from a small town called Retford in Nottinghamshire. Right, sweet. And what was it like growing up there? Um, It was one of them towns that most people know most people
1: and not many people at my kind of age really went on to do much outside of that town. So growing up as a young kid in the area, it was fantastic, good friends, nice primary school. Um, I had a great family. I have a great family. My parents was always really supportive and encouraging. However, in Retford opportunities wasn't everywhere and you wasn't put in positions to see the greater world and I was very fortunate that I loved playing sports I loved football it it was just all I ever did all I ever wanted as a young kid growing up so I was very lucky really that I had something that I was so passionate about that made me come out of that comfort zone of my small town mentality and take me out of where I lived because All the friends that I had very, very rarely went out of Retford. You know, for them to go from Retford, which is in Nottinghamshire, to London would seem like a really big deal. And it did to me too. But when I started playing football, it became normal to go to different towns, different cities, meet different people. And I remember being kind of, I think it was probably 11 years of age and very rarely went out of my area you know, like you do, you live where you live and you make the friends that you've got. And Derby County Football Club wrote to my parents because that was what you used to do back then. There's no email and it was all letters. And they wrote a letter to my parents saying we'd love Luke to come on trial um, for a week. So, of course, we accepted. So I was about 11 years of age, just started secondary school. And I remember getting on a Saturday, I remember always on a Saturday, my mum and dad uh, taking me to the local market in Retford in the town centre. And I bought this big green bag. It was like £2.50. I can always remember it, this big green bag. And I remember taking it home. It wasn't cool. It wasn't Nike. It wasn't Adidas. It wasn't flash. It wasn't fancy. It was just a plain green bag off the market. And my mum packs all my bag for me. And on the Monday, because it was a school holiday, they take me to the Derby County Football Training Ground. And as I walk into this Derby County Training Ground, all the first team players was there. So famous people that I had on my walls, on posters, was now in the same room as me. And it was all these youngsters my age, probably 40, 50 young kids that all knew each other, that are all sat chatting, laughing, joking. Now I'm sat on a chair and I get introduced to the coach by my dad. Then my dad says, see you later, son. I'll pick you up in five days, have a great time. And you didn't have mobile phones. You know, it was literally see ya. And from Monday to Friday, I was 11, I was just in this place that I didn't know anybody. I was nervous because I, you know I loved football, but I didn't know how good I was. I thought I was good, but now I'm in Derby, which is a, a city outside of my small town and it was like this I can always remember the moment of being sat there and looking around and thinking, I feel sick like my legs were like jelly, my tummy was turning. And as soon as we started the football training, I felt comfortable because it was my domain. I was confident I felt I felt I was in my arena then on that football pitch and because I did okay, Some of the boys would come and talk to me and then I became friendly with them. So over the five days, it became much more comfortable. That was my first memory of stepping out of my comfort zone, out of my small town where I live and seeing what's possible when you leave where you're from and go to new places. And ever since then, I was very fortunate that football took me all over the world, really. So I got to see things that I would have never seen before because I've got no idea how I would have got out of my town to see things other than sport was the vehicle. So I'm very appreciative that I found football so young.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I always think that having a hobby or some kind of, I suppose, a to a degree purpose is so crucial where you have something in your example, football, that allows you to see Not just a football field, not just kicking a ball about, as you mentioned, you get to see a completely new city, a completely new environment, you get to experience things out of your comfort zone where it's not just the same day in, day out. And I feel like in life it can be very tempting because change is difficult, of course, like we go back thousands of years, you know, we wanted to be in our tribes. So when you have to get into a situation where you change and you're not comfortable, that initial feeling that you described of feeling sick, legs going weak, at the time it's horrible and at the time when you're experiencing it you wish oh no I should have stayed at home I should have stayed at home I should have done what I'm comfortable with but that's the only way you can grow it's the only way you can go into a different environment and become a different person
1: I I totally agree and I always revert to that moment when people say you know how did you start to meet new people and and I always go to that moment because it was the first time I felt that fear and I felt that nervous energy. And well, I overcame it because I had no choice. My back was to the wall. I was left there. I, had, I couldn't message, couldn't send a text message and say, please pick me up. It was like, no, I'm here now. And I loved every minute of it. And then once I did it, I wanted to do it again. And then I went to the next football club, to the next one. And then gradually things started to really take off for me as a youngster that I, You know, I ended up representing my country at 15, 16, 17 and 18 and getting to go around Europe and as far as South Africa to play football. And things like that just wouldn't have happened for me because when I was growing up as a young kid, I can always remember just playing football on the field. And the majority of the people that I was around was drinking, taking drugs. You know, the minority wasn't taking drugs. The majority was. However, for me, like you touched on a minute ago, when you've got that passion or that purpose, you've got a greater reason to not go down the wrong path. You've got a greater reason to stay focused on what you want and where you're going. And it never even entered my, entered my head to get involved in the drugs. It just, it just didn't even consider it because I was so focused on that compelling future that I was creating for myself in my mind of where I wanted to go that nothing was going to get in the way of that. And none of my friends would ever encourage it because they saw me as Luke the footballer and they all wanted me to do well. And I think for them, the challenge you've got, and, and I think that's the same now, that if you haven't got something you're working towards, that it's it's how do you resist the temptation of things that bring short-term joy? How do you resist doing things that you shouldn't do when you're not working for, for anything tomorrow? So I really worked so hard with, Anybody that I work with, especially the next generation, I've worked with nearly 90,000 young people. I'm going to be working with 30,000 young people next year on a UK tour, which actually is going to a European tour to Germany as well, all around creating something for yourself. And it's not about the job that you want. It's about the person that you want to become. Because lots of my friends, when I think back 25, 30 years ago, I'm 42 now, when I think about them growing up, they didn't have anything that they really wanted to do places that they wanted to see. They were just living for today. And when you're living for today, it, it, it's very difficult to not resist the temptations that come to you because what's the, the, there's nothing that you're striving for. You're not working towards anything. You're going to school that you don't want to go to because you don't know what job you want. Nobody's helping you create the personal identity of which you want to have. So you just become a little bit lost. And to have fun and enjoyment, often people choose the wrong thing. So for me, it was like sport and football was just a blessing, really. And it didn't work out the way I wanted it to. But if it wasn't for football as a young kid, I'm not sure where my life would have gone because options was very limited in the town that I was in. And they still are limited now. But there's a lot more opportunity now from wherever you live in the world because of the Internet, because travels a lot easier um, everything's more accessible. Social media didn't exist. So your eyes wasn't open to the world through social media. You only knew what the people around you knew. And if you didn't step out of that, you didn't learn anything different.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I like what you're saying about social media. I personally have quite a a mixed view of it. I think that it can be you know, toxic when you use it too much and comparison culture. But also it can open your eyes to so many things. I mean, what you've just mentioned, it hits me like without social media, would I have heard of? opportunities in vietnam or elsewhere in southeast asia would i have gone for it if you use it effectively it can be a wonderful tool for good yeah you you choose who you follow
1: you choose the posts that you read you choose what you decide to present and i i think it's a fantastic opportunity to see what the world's like when you follow the right people with the right authenticity it's very difficult to know who the right people are when you're young because you might be attracted to the fame, to the glamour, to the followers, to the amount of likes that you've got. I follow people. I follow people, that I, follow are people that I read. And when I see a post, I want to see what they have put because it's either educational or inspirational, or I'm interested of, of what they're doing and how they're doing it because they're proven to have done well in a certain element of life, or they literally are just someone that's doing something on social media to improve the lives of other people. I think the challenge that you've got now is that young children following people that maybe aren't who they say they are and it's presented in a lifestyle that's not real you know lots of people talk about you know you become a millionaire or you know earn loads of money and of course everybody if you've got nothing and somebody says that you want to believe it so you force yourself to believe it but you and I and everybody knows really that you don't become a multi-millionaire You, you don't become super successful just by doing something for a couple of weeks it takes a long time you've got to be patient you You've got to play the long game and work for things in the future. Put the work in today for a better tomorrow. And, and I think the education around social media just has to improve out of the, the, the success that it can bring to you, but also the negativity. And we all know people often compare themselves. We know people compare themselves to others that do what they do. And it's like if you compared your podcast to another person, you, you could either be demoralized or super positive. But what's the point? comparing your podcast to anybody else because nobody can have your podcast nobody can do it the way that you do it because everybody's unique everybody has their own gift everybody has their own passion their own purpose so everybody's got an opportunity to do whatever they want to do because they've got a gift which is individuality I just find it so sad when so many people are looking at what they haven't got rather than what they have got a great example I fell into the trap recently kind of my little girl, Sienna, who's 10, um, recently it was Halloween and she wanted to go to the shop and buy lots of items. And we wrote a list of about 20 things. And when we go into the shop, we probably got seven or eight things. So I'm, I'm disappointed because we didn't get the full 20. And we get in the car and I said, sorry, Cece. I'm like, that's a bit disappointing, wasn't it? I said, we'll go to another shop. I said, because we didn't get what we wanted, did she? She said, Dad, Dad, we got loads of stuff. We got loads. I'm like, what do you mean? And she reeled off everything that we did. And I was thinking about everything that we didn't get. And I think in life, often people do that. They look at what they haven't got rather than what they have got. They look at the resources that they can't afford or haven't got instead of looking at how can I do it? What have I got? Perfect example is the podcast. Often people don't sell podcasts because they think they need the new mics. They need the proper recording set. Yes, all of that fancy stuff may help, but you don't need it to get started. Me and you are doing this from, I'm in London at the moment, you're in Vietnam and we're doing it over Zoom. <laughs> you know? yeah, it's a 15 sure. pound a month subscription or whatever it is. And so, but people put things in front of them to stop them doing what they really want to do because they're scared of it not working. And I think people look, look at what they haven't got rather than what they have got just by switching that one thing. When my girl said that to me recently, I'm like, I wonder where else in my life subconsciously, I'm looking at what I haven't got rather than what I have got. What am I looking in within my friendships? Am I looking at I need to make new friends because my friends haven't got this? Or am I, can I be more appreciative of what my friends do have? My relationship, my business, my finances, what am I looking at? And it really got me asking questions. That's from a 10-year-old girl, my daughter. Just by her having the ability to say that in that moment triggered a whole lot of thinking from me to be more grateful for the things that I've got. To stop looking at what I haven't got and look at more of what the things that I do have which I thought I was pretty good at until she said that and I was like wow a subconscious behavior that maybe I've picked up
0: and I wasn't aware of yeah it's a good reminder not to get complacent which I think we can do sometimes and when you mentioned my podcast and the fancy studio etc you literally described what I did for two years before actually doing it to be honest with you I spent yeah. Two years, I thought I needed a huge camera, and I needed sponsorship, and I needed a huge contacts form. I needed everything except for to actually do it. So one one day, yeah. I picked up my actual phone, picked up uh, the Zoom, and thought, right, let's just start. And gradually, have upgraded audio equipment, etc. But yeah, precisely, I think just doing it can be a catalyst. You mentioned one thing there, which I like to talk about on the podcast, and you mentioned that you choose who you follow, and you can choose how you react to a situation for example you can say oh we didn't get all 20 or we got seven or eight that's loads you can choose which one you focus on and the concept i talk about on the podcast is responsibility which was a game changer for me can you talk to me a bit more about taking responsibility for your own choices you did it with your football where you realized that that route is more appealing to you than perhaps partying drugs uh, perhaps in other areas of your life too can you tell me about the importance of really taking control of your own circumstances, your own life and your own decisions? I think it's the greatest thing that
1: anybody could do is accept responsibility and accountability for where they are right now and also where they want to get to and to not look external in terms of resources or, or blaming people for your current situation, whether that's with your relationship, your finance, your business. Um, If you're a sports person and you're not at the level that you want to, it's like looking in the mirror and really asking someone who's challenging questions to yourself of why am I here? Why aren't I there? What do I need to do to get there? Because if you don't ask them questions to yourself, they're there. The answers are within you, but they can be quite painful. So, for example, with my football career, I was very fortunate. I had a very illustrious young career. I played for England many times until the age of 18. Travelled all over the country. I got to play in the Champions League. I got to play in the UEFA Cup. I had some wonderful experiences. And then all of a sudden, I'm getting released, getting told I'm not wanted. And then the next team tells me they don't want me. And at some point, you've got to look in the mirror and go, I wonder why these teams don't want me. What am I not offering? But I wasn't in a place at that age to look in the mirror and go, I wonder why I've been released from that club. Next time, I want to do something different. I go to the next club the next club then doesn't want me. I'm, I didn't have the space, I wasn't, I didn't have the ability or the know-how to create the space to look in the mirror and go what do I need to do different now to be more successful at the next team that I play for and I think if and now I do in my life so I can look in the mirror and say how did that, how did that talk go, what went well, what didn't and be very honest with myself and why am why is my life like this and Why why hasn't it gone to this level yet? And I can be very comfortable with that because when you do accept responsibility and accountability, it's like letting go. It's literally like taking a big weight off your back, a rucksack full of sand, getting rid of it. Because the more that we blame external resources or external people, the less chance we have of putting things right and moving forward. We're just gonna stay where we are, but it's a lot more comfortable to blame everybody else because you're not accepting responsibility. So it's not your fault. And often with friends and family, they support you blaming external things as well because they love you so they'll feel sorry for you or show you sympathy. It's not what you need. You need somebody to say, have you ever asked yourself the question of why you're in this position? And although you will not like that and you will be really upset in that moment, the best question a loved one could ask, have you ever asked yourself why this is happening? Whether it's relationship breakdown after breakdown or it's you know, uh, your business doing well, they're not doing well, repeating, you're in a cycle. And until you accept you're in control and you're in charge, of course, external things happen like COVID and you just got to adapt. Like there's no choice, you got to adapt. But I'm talking about if things aren't going well or if you're unhealthy, but you know, you, you've got a medical condition that is maybe hindering your health rather than then utilising that as these are the reasons why I don't do anything, okay, What could you do with the condition that you've got to improve it? You know, so I think it's always looking at what you can do rather than what you can't do. But the most beautiful thing I ever found for me was accepting that I'm me. I'm in charge of me. And however well I do or don't do, that's down to me. So it's up to me to do the work. Nobody's going to do it for me. I can't blame them football managers for releasing me because I was the player that probably didn't do what was necessary to get the extra contract. So with my work that I do now, I feel so released of being worried and concerned about what other people think of me because as long as I can look in that mirror, be brutally honest with myself and go, the reason I'm not as healthy as I am right now is because I'm not getting up early enough. It's nothing to do with anybody else. It's nothing to do with my children need to get to school. It's To me, I've got to find a way to fit that in, but we, we, we put things in front of us, we make excuses. I can't go to the gym because I'm too busy, but we'll at least watch an hour of TV a day, or, or you know, we will, we will go on social media and scroll for 45 minutes. I think that we become conditioned as youngsters to, to make excuses, to try and get out of situations. That as we get older, we take that with us. You and I both know when you're at school, If somebody approaches you and comes at you with quite an abrupt manner and says, why did you do that? You start to back off and you go, I didn't do it. It wasn't me. It was him. It was her. And, you know, I didn't mean to. And you get scared. And that person that puts you under pressure forces you into telling a lie to get out of a situation. And I think we take that with us as we get older, that things that happen to us, we go to that default of it wasn't me. It wasn't my, like, I didn't know. It wasn't my fault. And we look to blame but we believe the blame. We say it that much. We believe it's like playing the same song every day. You learn the words off by heart. And I think that's what we naturally do. You go to somebody with something, often they go to default and they go to that child again, which blames everybody else and doesn't accept responsibility. the person that goes, you know what? I appreciate you bringing that to me. I'm glad you did. Thank you. I'm going to work on that. That's the person that's accepted responsibility and accountability their actions and their behavior and they'll make the most progress.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. As you were saying that actually, I was recounting stories from my my school years where a teacher would come to me and I you know, that would be my default. No, it's his fault, sir. Sir, it was his fault. yet yeah, literally that is yeah. the mantra. Wow, that did take me back. I thought that was profound. And also when, for example, you say I'll use an example if you keep having relationship breakdown after breakdown. This is just an example. There are other areas, of course how do you go about perhaps once you've acknowledged and once you're aware of the problem, it's one thing being aware of something, but it's another thing to work on it and to actually fix it. How do you make that step? What do you, what tips or what things do you do to actually make sure that this situation doesn't happen again?
1: I think you reflect on the relationships that you've had. Um, If we're using that as an example, and you maybe ask the partners that you had, for what reason, didn't it work in your view? And it's not, it's not about you then getting into an argument of, well, I think you did this, I think you did that. That's ego. But if you ask uh, ex-partners, for what reason do you feel our relationship didn't work? And sometimes, Connor, it's just a, it is the right thing. It is the right thing for both parties. But if it keeps happening time and time and time again, and then you start to hear the same theme from each person, whether you're a controlling person or you didn't give enough effort to the relationship, you didn't prioritize that person, you didn't look at their needs, you was more focused on your own needs, you'll hear a common theme that comes back to you. You will hear a common theme. And rather than blaming them, you go, okay, so the common theme of each breakdown was this. I now need to look at this if my next relationship is really going to flourish. And if I don't, I'm going to get the same outcome. And I think by asking the ex-partners, you're going to learn from that. But if you're not comfortable to do that and you're not in that situation, I, I think that I think we know. I think if we look back at things that haven't worked, we can go, yeah, maybe I, you know, I was always late or I, I didn't, I just used to forget about them. I didn't give them the time and effort. You will know when you're honest enough. And then once you're aware of what it is, the easiest thing to do is not do anything about it because it's hard to do something. But if you want more from life, if you want more than what you've already got, you're gonna to have to address it and do something. So my suggestion to anybody that's getting the same outcome from a relationship, is look at where you feel it's going wrong and then speak to people that have great relationships. Ask them, how do you stay consistent? How do you, I once heard Tony Robbins say something that was wonderful, he said that, to keep any any relationship strong, always behave like it's still the beginning. Because in the beginning you do everything right, because you want to impress them. It's like going for a job interview. You turn up dressed up, you're on time, you look your best, you say the right thing, and then you get your job and you don't enjoy it so much. So you start to just take your foot off the gas, you arrive a bit late. And I think people get complacency is a killer. Um, and I think that is in relationships too, that if you behave like it's still the beginning, it'll always flourish. And that's friendships. I'm not talking about intimacy here. I'm talking about all relationships, work, business, everything. So my first suggestion would be, be aware of what it is. Number two, speak to people that are doing well in an area that you're maybe not. Get as much advice from them as you can. And number three would be to research the subject. So research how to have a great relationship because not all of us have seen it growing up as children. Not all of us have been around it. So when you research it, you can start to look into it more of how do you build a strong relationship with someone? How do you build a strong bond? How do you communicate effectively and start to immerse yourself into learning these skills because they are skills. Communicating with a partner is a skill. You, know, you're not just, you don't just know how to do it because if your parents or foster carers, whatever environment you're brought up, didn't communicate well, where do you learn it? Because you copied the behaviors that you see. So I think that you have to spend some time of speaking to people. Like I've got a friend of mine He's been married for 27 years. He was th- his, his partner was 13 and he was 14 when they met. He's now in his mid-40s, been married 28 years, something like that, got um, beautiful children. So I say to him, how do you keep that relationship as good as it is? Because I want to know. Because when you learn from people like that doing something well, you can take advice. I'm not going to ask somebody that's been through seven divorces how to keep a relationship strong, but that person who's had seven divorces may have a successful business. So I might ask him or her, how do you have a successful business? So I think it's going to the people that are doing well in areas that you want to improve on, but not everybody's got everything going well. So the guy that's got the great relationship might not have a successful business. So you don't need to find somebody that has. And I really believe people are powerful beyond measure. And when you get around people that are doing well in all different walks of life you can take bits from all of them and apply it to you and then start to measure am I doing better in this now am I putting more effort into this relationship I'm going to speak to my partner now every week I'm going to say how have I been this week like have I put the work in have I put the effort in every month just say am I am I is everything okay am I doing okay that doesn't mean you become super obsessive with asking the question but how do you know you're fulfilling the needs of somebody else if you don't ask the question but often we don't ask the question
0: because we're fearful of the answer yeah no that has hit no i understand exactly what you're saying there and also i think one thing that hit me there is you have to be quite clear on the person that you want to be for example if you want a stable and long and fulfilling relationship it's probably key to establish that in your mind and perhaps hang around with people who do have that, where if you hang around with people who are, say, divorced four or five times, you're subconsciously going to be influenced by them uh, and their behaviours, which might derail your progress. Likewise, with if you're more interested in a successful business, if that's your key value, if that's what you want in life, great, focus on that. You have to be careful of your influences. Can you talk to me a bit more about the people that you spend time with and how they dictate the quality of your life? Uh, They're
1: everything. They're everything because a great example is this week, uh, just today. Um, last night, yesterday, I was working with a company where I got to be around probably 60, 70 people. Their energy is great. The vibe was great. Um, then last night, I got to meet up with a football team in London that I'm a, a part of their, their veterans team over thirty five. So I sat last night, watched football with four or five friends, chatting, talking, laughing, joking, um, talking about business, talking about all different things. Today, I'll be meeting two, three different people. uh, One's um, an expert in PR. We're doing a bit of a piece of PR because I've got a UK tour coming next year. So I'll learn from him of how to get the message out there greater to help more people. So everybody you spend your time with now, I still have my friends from 30 years ago and their life, some has evolved, some hasn't. I can still be friends with them. It doesn't mean that they have to influence me. So I still have lots of friends from many years ago that um, haven't got the ambition to do more than what they do. And that's totally okay. Not everybody wants to kind of conquer a world. And some people are content and fulfilled living the life that they live. And that's what we all want. But some of us got to do it our way and not follow anybody else. We've got to do it the way that we want to. So the people I surround myself with are people that excel in areas that I want to excel in. So people that have got great big hearts that want to help other people. I love being around them. I love being around entrepreneurs and business people because I'm fascinated of how you take something from from standstill to grow things. I love to hear about growth. I love it. I absolutely fascinated of how do you go from zero to that? How did you do that? And it's often always about the people that they surrounded themselves with to help get there. I love being around people that uh, are lighthearted, have fun, laugh, joke, have humour. You know, I just love being around people that have something to contribute to the world in terms of they've got a passion, they've got a purpose, they're a great mother, a great father, a great grandma, a really good granddad, you know, them people, and I'm not, People sometimes get mistaken. I'm not talking about people that are multimillionaires here. I'm talking about if I'm, I'll, I want to sit with somebody that's passionate about anything, it might be they're passionate about flowers that I'm not passionate about, but I love the energy that they bring when I hear them talk about their thing. It rubs off on me for my thing. You know, Does that make sense? It doesn't have to be a topic that you enjoy, mm. but it's about the people. It's about the passion that they show about their topic uh, another guy who's a friend of mine, he loves cars. I have no interest in cars, mm. but I get so much energy from listening to him talk about cars because I can hear how passionate he is. So I now I've been invited to an event that he's running with cars. and I'm going to go along and experience something new. And you know what? I might enjoy cars, but I've never, ever investigated that avenue because it's just not been in my arena. But all of a sudden I might go along to the day and go, do you know what? I do have a love for cars. Who knows? because I don't wanna be closed off. You know, Wayne Dyer always says, um, keep your mind open to everything and attached to nothing. Where my mind's been closed off the car because I never enjoyed cars, but how do I know? Because I've never gone along and seen a race day or had a racing experience. So for me, Connor, it's about aligning your values and beliefs with the people around you. You've got similar values and beliefs, your partner, your family, the people around you. If you haven't got the same values and beliefs, and morally are quite different. There's going to be a challenge. There. And often it's within families because you, you're born into an environment and a family that you have no choice about. So if mm-hmm. they have different values and beliefs to you as you get older and you become your own person. That's why families clash so much because you, know, you might be a young aspiring musician or an artist and your parents tell you what you're doing that for. There's no money in it. You need to get a trade. You need to become a plumber, electrician. And you end up following the path that they tell you, and then you resent that for a long time. And it comes, it manifests itself later in life that you're regretful of the decisions that you made. But then you blame the people that put you in the position to make them. So your family, you don't really have a choice where you spend it. It, it, That is your family. So you've got to manage that the best that you can. With your friends, that's a total choice. With your colleagues, that's a choice. Move move jobs or create your own business. You don't have to be around people that have a massive negative impact on you. Be around people that excite you, inspire you, encourage you, that have got knowledge in areas that you haven't. On December the 15th, I've created this entrepreneurial event. 15 people from all over the country come in to have brunch together. I'm going to spend most of the day together and these guys every single one of them is successful in an aspect of life that I'm fascinated about so I've brought them all together to one room All the but the the key to this is Connor they're all beautiful human beings first and foremost they wouldn't be there they're beautiful human beings and they've been successful in an aspect of life that I admire bring them all to one room and you can imagine the conversations that flow the businesses that are connected You know, two guys that I connected not so long ago, one set up a business. The other guy ended up becoming a partner in the business. Two years into that company, I think it turned over around £8.45 million. And that was from me connecting two great human beings that then went on to do something special.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And when you mentioned there about surrounding yourself with people who have the same values and beliefs, this might be tricky to answer, but how do you get clear on your own values and beliefs? What are some tactics that you can use to really be clear about what your values and beliefs are? You're asking great questions, Connor.
1: Really great questions. And thank you. And I love I, I love the questions that you're asking because they're very thought, thought not just about my life and my experiences, about how do you do the thing. And I think the how is what misses. I always uh, use the analogy of if a little kid's in goal in a football match and the, another kid takes a shot at him and the ball goes through his hands and goes in the goal, often you hear the coach shout, catch the ball. And the kid's thinking, that's what I've tried to do. But he doesn't know how to. But the coach doesn't know how to teach him how, so the kid never learns how. And what you're asking there is, how do you know what your values and beliefs are? How do you find that? Then how do you align them with other people and the answer that I would give you is to find what your own values and beliefs are. First, you've got to think about how do I want to live my life? You know, how, when, when my time's up, how would I want people to think of me? So when it's game over for Luke Staton and there's not another breath, another step within me, and I've gone, how would I, how would I wish people would remember me? So I start there and then I would say, I hope that they would say, it was always kind, generous, had time for people, you know, gave his best wherever he went, created things that have left a legacy for other people to follow in terms of inspiring young children, supporting them with their dreams. He's left something behind that's having an impact after he's gone. You know, so I look at that and I go, right, if that's what I want to accomplish, what behaviors do I have to do today to be that person when it's game over? Because my game over might be today, it might be tomorrow. So all I can do every minute of every day is work as hard as I can to to be that person that I want to be at the end game. So if it is today, my last one, I would hope that if I came off this podcast podcast, and you, that was, this is my last ever interview. You will say that guy, you know, you may not have liked everything I said or agreed and that's totally okay. But one thing I would always hope you would say is that, you know what? Luke gave everything for that 45 minute call. Like he, he spoke of, the heart he gave what he could he didn't hold back and as long as i know that i leave this call and i've given you my best i am happy with that i'm fulfilled i can't i can't please people but what i can do is give my all so when you look at the end game for me right that luke state and i want my kids to tell their kids about that's the person that i want to be described i don't want to i know what i don't want to be i know who i have been in parts of my life and i know what behaviors i've had to change to be the way that I am today. And I want my children when my time's up to talk about me in a way that's kind, generous, loving, caring, inspiring, passionate, enthusiastic. So when I want to be described like that, I say, okay, so what actions do I need to do every day? I need to take care of my health. I need to show my children about looking after your health. I also need to show my children whenever I can, the value of helping other people. So. I now genuinely wherever I go I think to myself if I get an opportunity today I'm going to help someone I don't want anything in return I'm just going to give to give not give to get and if I can help someone today maybe they'll help somebody else and I live like that so when it, at first you have to consciously be aware of doing it but then it becomes an unconscious behavior because it just becomes you it is me now I don't have to think about it it just happens and the more that I do the more it does come back without even asking for it without even wanting anything. It just seems to be attracted more opportunities, more kind people, more people offer a hand to help you. It's incredible how to, when I started to look at, how do I want to be remembered? And, and you read it out at the beginning, Luke's saying to be remembered by making a difference. And if my kids talk to their kids or their friends and say, you know what? My dad, He did a lot for other people. If they just say that, like my life's been worth living. So then I have to look at how do I live like that? What behaviors, what actions, you know, how can I help other people? How can I have a big impact? And and hopefully you can hear from what I'm saying. It's not an exercise that you sit down and just go, I'm going to be healthier and I'm just going to do it. No, you've got to go deeper than that. What's the reason that I want to help people? The reason I want to help people is because I know my children are watching every step that I take. And I love people. People have helped me, so I want to help somebody else. If I can spend the rest of my time helping people that helps them for the rest of their time, I hope that I'll be remembered for the person that made a difference for the time that it was here. I'm never going to be able to give 10, 50, 30, 40, 50 million pounds away. I'm not in that position. Maybe one day I will be. And I would give money away without question. I want to become very wealthy because I want to be able to build a school in my hometown. I want to be able to give and give and give to help people have great starts in life. That's why I want to become wealthy. That's my purpose of finances. The more money I make, the more joy I can bring to others and myself and my family. There's nothing wrong with wanting to earn lots of financial freedom because that brings opportunities for people too. So for me, first of all, it's looking at how do you want to be known by others? How do you want to be remembered by others? How do you want to be known when you look in the mirror? can you go to bed at night no matter what anybody else says and be comfortable with who you are and then look at the actions and behaviors that you must put in place today to be that person tomorrow and there's nothing greater when you hear your child or somebody say something kind about you they didn't have to and you think you know what i'm getting this right because i'm starting to sense that people are gravitating towards me because i'm being that kind of person
0: yeah absolutely and with that uh, i'm Have you heard of the podcast High Performance with Jake Humphrey? I have, yeah. Yeah, it's a brilliant one. And one question they always ask is one that I'm trying to not necessarily steal, but use my own slant on it for this podcast. And it is about non-negotiable behaviors and key traits that you and the people around you have to abide by and buy into. We've mentioned there a set of behaviours that are important to you, looking after your health, et cetera. Are there any two or three key traits that you think you have, which in order, which you need to do and develop in order to have you performing at your best? Are there any things that you really value, any traits? So
1: I would say um, to keep me performing at my best, I must be around great people. I think for me that's critical of having conversations regular either via phone, Zoom, or in person, because people inspire me to keep doing what I do. So one of my traits is, if it's a trait or it's an action, an action I take is to be around lots of great people as often as I can. I would say a trait for me in terms of me is kindness. I believe it was embedded into me from my nan that I spent a lot of time with. My mum and dad are very kind people, yet my nan just went above and beyond. She did things for people that I saw, but at the time didn't notice until I reflect. So I, I think a trait of mine is I, I, I just love being kind and me being kind brings more, so much more joy to my life. Another trait of mine would be com, uh, co, I'm a competitor. I'm a competitor, I'm an ex-sportsman. I still feel like I'm a sportsman in my mind. Um, a trait of mine is to set challenges. A trait of mine is to want to compete with myself, nobody else. I wanna see how far I can go, how, how well can I do? You know, I've got a 100 mile running event that I've booked in in September next year. I've never ran a hundred miles in my life. I did a 40 mile ultra marathon this year. I'm now gonna do a hundred miles next year just to see how far I can push my body. So I'm a competitor. So a trait of mine is that I like, to, I like to win. I do, I love it. I like to beat myself. I like to progress. I like to improve. So they're kind of the traits that I have in terms of kindness. Of how it brings joy to me. Competition keeps me on my edge with competing with myself. And I think the last trait, if you was looking at three traits, I think my third trait would be um, having the ability to adapt and remain calm in challenging situations because I've been there so many times where life's become tough at certain times um, and I've had lots of rejection and lots of failures. I've had a business that went bankrupt. Um, I've lost so much. And I feel a trait of mine that I've probably learned through the adversity and through the trials and tribulations is to always know it's going to be okay. To be able to uh, create that compelling future for yourself that takes you out of your current circumstance to the future. Because if if you are where you are now and you think that's going to be you forever, I think for me that would have been where it would have been the end of me but the ability to think out of my current situation circumstance many times to, okay, things aren't going well right now in all aspects, lots of aspects, but the future that I want to live is that. How do I get there? What would that feel like? What would it look like? And and just the energy that that gives me that I want to be living gives me enough inspiration to wake up, get my trainers on, and go and do what I need to do, and go to that school, go to that business. It gives me the inspiration because I know where I'm heading. Now, I may never get to where I wanna go, but I've lived every day feeling good because I've got great energy because I'm always thinking about how I wanna live and the life, it creates an energy in me that means I enjoy today way more than I would if I was always complaining of where my life is rather than where it's going. Now, right now, I'm in a great place in terms of my mind, my body, I feel good. I feel energy. I'm passionate about the things that I'm doing. I feel that I'm starting to get to places now that I've never been to before. You know, I'm helping more people. I'm getting involved in more businesses um, from from an entrepreneurial aspect. I love being around business people. And now I'm getting involved in other businesses where I'm becoming shareholders in, in companies. And so things are going the way that I want to. And I don't think I'll ever be where I want to be because as soon as you get there, I think that's where complacency kicks in. They always say the wolf at the bottom of the hill is hungrier than the wolf at the top. So with that mentality, you're always trying to climb. And that doesn't mean you don't enjoy the present moment because there's a fine line between striving for something and enjoying something. I think you can do both. I think you can strive for something greater, yet enjoy the moment as well and be present and go, do you know what? I am doing all right. You know, I'm doing well. I'm proud of the person that I am. There's nothing wrong with accepting that and being okay with that. Doesn't mean that you get complacent because as soon as you get complacent, you can easily revert to default and not do the exercise, you know, not be the healthiest you can be. And before you know it, you can slip back to old behaviors because old behaviors, I think, are always there. We just manage them better and we, we override them with passion and purpose of where we go in rather than where we've been.
0: Yeah, absolutely. One quote that struck me there as you were talking was I think it's from Atomic Habits, James Clear, if you're familiar with that book and it's um, you should be more concerned about your current trajectory than your current results because that process yeah. and that journey that you're on is much more important where you can, as you mentioned, strive for something better but enjoy the present moment rather than being obsessed or fixated on a goal that might not necessarily bring you happiness if or when you achieve it. So I think that's a crucial Very true. that I've got from that there. Yeah, for sure. And can you tell me then, I guess in a bit more specific detail your um, the work that you do now do you do speeches conferences workshops what exactly is it do you do if I may ask you
1: so I do a combination of all of what you've just said so I run uh, programs in schools uh, I created an, the inspiring the next generation program around a decade ago which I've reached nearly 90,000 people and as I said earlier we're going to do a UK tour next year where we're going to go to 30 schools uh, across 30 days reaching 30,000 young people so we're going to do three talks per school which would be around thousand children in uh, across the three talks um, and businesses are collaborating and sponsoring and supporting me to make that happen because they believe in doing more for our next generation so that's a project that I've got ongoing there Um, I also do one-off keynote talks so a business at a conference or an event would ask me to come in and do a a 60 or 90 minute talk to their business around empowerment um, you know self-motivation creating a life that they want to live enhancing performance on any topic around development really uh, anything in that arena I get asked to go and do talks for some people just want me to go and share my story and, and just meet them and be around them Um, I always remember once somebody said I just wanted to come along and be around the office for a day a week because your energy is infectious this was like 12 13 years ago he said just come and be in the office and just walk around and talk to people We, we need that energy within our company and they invested in me just to walk around and chat to people and I thought that was a really clever move from them but I didn't I didn't know that I had that until they said that and then I thought wow I must have something if people want to pay me just to come into the office and walk around and have conversations with people you know I brought something with my energy um something else that I do I, I work with companies on a monthly a monthly basis so I'll go and do if a company's got multiple offices all over the UK I'll go to two offices one month two offices the next month and so on and so forth over a year's period to to consistently develop them in terms of who they want to be and how they get there and increasing their performance the culture of the organization so it's all around improving the individual's culture and the company culture so that's kind of where I'm at at the moment there's no one thing that I do I also work I've got uh, shares in, in a, a company and uh, my role within that company is to be the person that the owner can call as and when needed for a conversation of challenges a conversation of decisions um helping facilitate his thinking so kind of I got gifted some shares to be that he said the conscience of the business to make sure that we never override people for profit. You, you, your, your job Luke is to make sure that I stay focused on the vision. So that's like a, a wide spectrum of what I do. And, um, and I love it. Like there's no one, and there's not a bit that I would want to stop. I want to do all of it. And I think um, sometimes that becomes challenging because you, you're one person, you know, And with lots of projects, I'm very fortunate. I've got a good team around me to support these projects too. Um, So they can take care of lots of the administration, organization of the booking of everything, which leaves me to do what I do best. Whereas before I used to do all of it, it was really tough then doing all the emails, all the invoice, all the booking, really tough. Where now I'm fortunate I've got people to support me in them areas, which means I can really excel in what I love even more.
0: Yeah, for sure. And what we were discussing just before recording was the attitude to, towards, I guess, self-help, self-development in the UK. And my, the opinion that I gave to you from my perspective is that it's very much an American thing and I think slightly misunderstood in the UK where people will think it's a bit woo-woo or airy-fairy. How do you navigate that balance of perhaps convincing people or letting people know that it can be so rewarding and beneficial? to go down that route of self-improvement so i often you know i had this challenge early
1: on i remember doing a talk for a uk company and even before i started my talk my presentation this guy this was going to be a three-hour talk i think it was two and a half three-hour talk and this guy puts his hand up and he looks at me and he goes just before you start wanting to know i'm not into this american bullshit and i said what do you mean he said all this motivational stuff it's just american It doesn't work. It's pointless. He said, You set a goal, you don't achieve it, you get despondent. What's the point? And I just burst out laughing and I made, you know, I made light of the situation. And I said to him, my response was, and maybe metaphorically will answer your question. My response was, um, okay, are you happy in everything within your life? He said, No. I get quite like angry about certain things. I said, Right, okay. I said, do you have family? He said, yeah, I've got kids and I've got grandkids. I said, well, you may not wanna to listen to me today for you, but maybe I may say one thing today that that one thing you pass on to your kids or to your grandkids that may make a difference for them so they don't get to 65 angry. Maybe I say one thing today that you share with them. So it might be worth your listening if you want to just for your grandkids and your kids. Cause if you don't think I've got anything to offer, that's honestly, that is totally okay but I might say one thing to help one of them. So it may be worth listening. And he did, the guy was great there and he did sit and he did listen. And he actually come to me at the end and he apologized in, in, in his way. He didn't say the words, but he shook my hand. He said, I really enjoyed that. And he left. So if anybody challenges the self-development world, you know, I think it's because it's, ter- it's terminology of self-development. Same when you say motivational speaker, it has a, it has a, um, has kind of, a feel to it that you stand off a little bit sometimes very rarely people go, "Oh, you do that okay amazing people go, "All oh, right, okay and some people back off a little bit because they think you're going to stand there shouting <laughs> you know it's, yeah, it's not you know. what it is so I, I think with getting over the barriers for people as I just be authentic I show that I'm a real person I show that I still have challenges now and I just share experiences of myself and people that I've come across and met that have done really well and share how people have done it. And it's up to the people in front of me to embrace that or not, it's a choice. And often I've been in a room where people's chairs are half turned because when I go to a room, you know, businesses are asking me to go there. It doesn't mean the people want you there. The business owner values it, he wants you there. It doesn't mean the people do. So when I walk in, you've got to try and win them over and engage them in the first few moments. And I always try and say to them, I'm not here today to tell you anything. I just hopefully will share one or two things which will stretch your mind to something greater. And we all know once our mind stretched to something greater, it will never return to its normal size. So If I could say one thing today that gets you thinking about you and your life of how to bring more joy and fulfillment to your life, maybe it's worth me being here, but if not, I apologize. But one thing I guarantee is I'll give you all that I've got. And often then people go, okay, let's give him a chance. And I think, In the self-development world, when people look at it, they they look at it as if it's going to highlight everything that they're not doing well and overwhelmed with everything that they need to be doing. But that's not the case. It literally is. How could you bring more joy and happiness and fulfillment to your life from things that may be causing you a bit of pain right now? How could you get rid of them? Because nobody wants to be in pain. Nobody wants to be unhappy. Everybody wants to be fulfilled and have joy. And if somebody has a skill set I'm not talking about me here, all the great people out there. If somebody's got a skill set that you can listen to for 10, 20 minutes every other day, or has got an online course or a program, it's got to be beneficial if they can teach you things that you don't already know. It's like somebody wanting to go and live in Spain, but they don't speak Spanish. What do they do? They, they learn the language. If you haven't learned the language of how to be happy and fulfilled, learn it from somebody that's learnt about that subject But that person might still have challenges in areas of their life. Like I said earlier, go to the people that are good at teaching what you want to get better at. Just like when you went to school,
0: go to people that can help you get to where you want to go. Yeah, absolutely, man. And we're coming towards the end of the conversation. Have you got any resources that you'd like to share for the audience, i.e. any books, podcasts or movies perhaps, anything that really helped you? Now, I know that it might not work for everybody, but are there any any favourite resources for you that you'd like to share?
1: So, first of all, I, I personally have a podcast, which I think um, I've had some wonderful people on, so that might be worth listening to for people. So it's called the, the From Nowhere to Somewhere podcast by Luke Staten. And it's all around people that have been through trials and tribulations and adversity and overcome it to get to the places that they've got to in, in whatever that is, sport, business, life, w- whatever. So I've got that podcast that's rolling. Um, I created an online resource for young people, which has had a huge success of the amount of young people that's actually taken out on board in schools all over the UK. Um, and beyond next year, are running it in-house, in-school. That's a, in, an online inspiring the next generation. That can all be found on my www.lukestaten.com website that's where everybody can can find me um in terms of what i watch and what i enjoy so literally right now i'm on netflix i've been watching 14 peaks by the guy that climbed the eight that um the eight uh biggest tallest summits in the world um all over no sorry 14 summits eight thousand feet each summit and i'm only halfway through but things like that inspire what's possible a guy from Nepal decides to go on this mission and it's only ever been done in seven years and he's going to do it in seven months and I haven't got to the end yet. So, but things like that currently that I'm watching, they give me inspiration. Um, Watching stories, real life documentaries about people um, that have gone from places to greater places, whether it's sport or business. So you can go on Netflix and Prime and just type in documentaries, and, and pick the ones that you want to watch that give you some inspiration in the field that you're in. In terms of books, the greatest book that I ever refer to is Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen R. Covey. I think there's just so many golden messages in there, so many beautiful messages that you can read that book over and over again and never run out of learning. And he was one of the greats for me, Stephen R. Covey. And you read that book, and it's about the seven habits, and you could just spend... Three months on one of the habits, learning about the habits, you know, and, and embracing yourself in the habits of how to create a better life, really, through, through learning from what other people have done and how you can do it. It's really clever and really interesting. So the seven habits of it effective people, for people in leadership positions and in businesses, I love the book Legacy by James Kerr about the New Zealand All Blacks. I think that's fantastic documentaries and movies about real life stories of real life people have done incredible things i think that's a great place that i go to and there's there's all sorts the resources are endless connor now i mean there's no excuse for anybody not to learn about something you can type it in in google and it's there isn't it
0: Yeah, absolutely. And Luke, I could be here for hours because I've enjoyed every moment of this and I say this genuinely, but the final question I will pose to you, uh, we are recording this in early December 2022 on the horizon. What would you like to achieve in the new year going forward?
1: I want to reach 30,000 young people. You know, we've said it, we've now got to do it. So I want to reach 30,000 young people as part of our Inspiring the Next Generation project. That's a big goal for me next year. A personal goal that I want to accomplish is I want to do the 100-mile ultramarathon in September, which I know that's going to take a lot for me to do because the 40-mile was very tough, the hardest thing I've ever done. So I'm doubling it and adding 20 miles. So a personal challenge is that. And it's not about completing 100 miles. Yes, that's important. What it's about for me is what i become on that journey because the training that I'm going to do, the, the nutrition that I'm going to have to eat, the sleep that I'm going to have to have, the regime to achieve that by the time I get to the race, even if I didn't do the race for whatever reason, I'm nine months better than I was before. It's going to train me more discipline, more focus. I'm going to have to be better with my schedule to get the runs in. I'm going to see more beautiful places. So I'm going to get nine months of challenge of me as a person, as a character to see what I'm really made of. And the destination may or may not be what I thought it was, but I'll be in a lot better place. So I think them two for me kind of really to really reach these 30,000 young people and give that everything and my personal challenge is to run the hundred miles. I've got lots of things that I want to do and keep the momentum going in terms of my children and just just you know I, I'm now the, uh, I now help coach and manage my son's football team so I, I give my time to that because my son plays so someone asked me to help I'm happy to help so just lots of little things that I want to keep going that I've worked hard to get to. Because I haven't all, I've been this person always, but it's never shone through because of other things in my life that hadn't gone so well, maybe fearful of making mistakes or confidence. And, you know, so, but now I'm in a place that actually the things that I want to go for, I feel good to go for them. So, yeah, that's where I'm at. I, I've got loads, Connor, but I guess if you said to me at the end of next year, what do I want to have accomplished? I want to have reached 30,000 more young people. I want to have done competed in that 100 mile race and i wanted to continue being a father friend and and the partner that i am today i want to continue being the person that's gravitating kind people to me because i hope i'm doing something right or so i won't be getting these people come into my
0: life yeah luke this has been wonderful i think you've summed it up right at the end with an empowering message i'm going to say no further except for thank you so so much and all the very best with your future endeavors i hope we reconnect again in the future Thank you, Connor.